Hey there, all marketing school listeners. It's Fab here, and I'm going to ask you whether you are ready to take your marketing prowess to the next level. If the answer is yes, then you are in luck because applications are open for our eight week all marketing school certification. This isn't just any certification, it's designed for the modern marketer, the ones just like you who are hungry to make a genuine difference. Picture this. You are armed with a bespoke marketing toolkit that saves you hours, allowing you to laser focus on building those invaluable relationships with your superfans. With us, marketing becomes more than just a task. It's human, impactful, and I dare to say it, fun. Let's bring back the joy, toss confetti in the air, and play your favorite hype song as you ace your campaigns. But why join us? Okay, let me break this down. We have proven processes and frameworks, so you can learn straight from industry leaders. You also will get your very own marketing operating systems and ready-to-use templates, a toolkit designed to bring you clarity and order into the marketing chaos. Plus, a private community and accountability groups to surround yourself with driven individuals all on the same journey. And for those craving direct feedback, we've got hot seat sessions and expert panels. So you can get insights on latest trends and also get personalized feedback on your assignments and work. So are you ready to make people absolutely fall head over heels for you and your work? All the details are laid out in our curriculum. To get it, simply head to amschool.click slash curriculum. That's amschool.click slash curriculums. The next chapter of your marketing story starts with us. See you in class. Welcome to Alt Marketing School. We are proudly bringing together a new wave of marketers, just like yourself. We want to provide you with the skills to speak to your audience perfectly, empower clients with winning strategies to market their brands, champion their values, and make a positive impact in the online world. My name is Fab, and I'm your host. May the class begin. Hello, team, and welcome back to Alt Marketing School. It's Fab here again, back with an amazing interview today just to inspire us to do all great things when it comes to our content, our visuals, and beyond. Today, I am joined by the amazing Jacqueline, or Jackie. If you don't know her, as the Director of Creative Insights at EMEA, at Getty Images and iStock by Getty Images, Jacqueline Burke works with an international team of videographers, photographers, researchers, art directors, and photo editors. The Creative Insights team reviews worldwide communication and analyzes social, cultural, and technological data, which, yes, is one of my favorite things to do, is talk about these things. And honestly, combined with Getty's invaluable access to customer buying patterns, the team work has helped identify and shape visual trends and better connect customers to brands, which is some of which we're going to explore today as well together. As a former director of art and photography, Jacqueline has a media communication experience and is graduated with 15 years of experience working in academia, advertising, and media. And today she is here with us. Hello and welcome again. Thank you, Fab. Absolutely delighted to be here with you and all your great listeners. Thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, there was a, a big, big like a lot of questions that I have for you. So it's going to be a big juicy episode because I'm really excited to dive deep into some of the trends and some of the things that you've seen with your work with your team over the past couple of months. 
But before we get into the geeky side of things, which we all know we love so much, I just thought we'll just settle in. We'll just break the ice. And she'll have three questions. And the first one, Jackie, for you, is what would be a trivia category you'd be really good at and why? You can create your own. You're allowed to create your own if there's something that you know you'd be good at. I'm thinking of doing that, Bob, already. And I'm definitely getting flashes of Trivial Pursuit game when I was very You're young. Welcome. Oh, I definitely think it would have to be a category around visual storytelling. Not to be so on job, but um, always been very passionate about um, visuals. So I think I'd do quite well in that category, especially if it was focused on filmmaking in particular. I love it. It's, um, it's very on brand, so I appreciate that. Uh, and it's and yeah. actually totally fine. But truth Bad, truthful. <laughs> that's that's true, actually. That's very true. And actually, that leads me to my second question, which I'm really interested in. Looking at your experience, we're going to go even beyond your 15 years of experience, and we're going to go to the first job that you ever had. What was it, and what did you learn from it, Jackie? So first job that I ever had, um, aside from the summer job <laughs> that we've all had, First professional job that I had was really amazing. Um, I was a lecturer uh, in a lovely university in Ireland, uh, given free reign uh, to put together a curriculum for masters and undergrad programs uh, in multimedia. And multimedia at that time was exploding uh, across education. And it was very much about um, teaching a variety of subjects from Java programming, which I used to teach to the corporate private sector, uh, to uh, a module on creativity and philosophy of thought and how you would apply that in practical pro projects. And uh, also like user graphical interfaces and so on. It was quite a varied couple of years. And the university was very good to me at the time and allowed me free reign. And I think one of the biggest takeaways I had from there was... Um, Honestly, just being very open. I was quite young at the time. I had finished my master's and I didn't expect to get an opportunity like that, to be quite frank, so so early on in my career. Um, I did experience quite a bit of, um, let's say, age bias as being a young, a young person coming into a master's program, taking the reins uh, for the students. Um, but I did really begin to understand and appreciate the value of intersectional learning is, is really what I call it, where you're bringing a multitude of perspectives across all walks of life, all ways of thinking when it comes to creativity and the magic that can be created within that process. I love that. I mean, I'm biased because that's what we try to do with all marketing schools. So you're already speaking my language, but I think it's so important. And you really, first of all, you really see the difference that it makes in the students' lives, but also the way that they learn and retain and apply things. But also, I think it makes it a lot more fun for you. And I love the fact that you were able to experiment and explore within the university and within what you were teaching. And I think that's something that, as a teacher myself, I really value because I think that's where you can really learn your style and how to deliver the content. And I guess it's not exactly the same as what you're doing right now, but I'm sure that understanding, presenting and also evaluating some of the trends and some of the things that are happening it's so powerful to be able to also know how to present them and how to extrapolate the learnings from them. So I'm excited about that. But before that, because we're all about encouraging people to market to hearts, not to brains, I always have to ask, what does making a positive impact on an audience 
or in this, in this case, let's say customers as well, mean to you and why, Jackie? So you can even go back into some of the things that you have seen, some of the visual trends that you've learned about. What does making a positive impact mean, in your opinion, in the online world? That's a really good question. Um, and I think it's one, it doesn't go away with age. I, I don't know why I say that, but I think at the age that I'm at, you know, I think it's something that becomes even more important as you go through your your role, your job, your life path. Um, for myself personally, I think when it comes to really looking to move the world through the power of visual storytelling, you really begin to try to understand the fact that people's perceptions of what is possible in the world or as opportunities for themselves are, I think, often shaped by what we see or what we perceive to see. And for us, in terms of really creating positive meaning and impact on an audience is really trying to understand how do we offer inclusive visuals that open out visual expressions that are representative and really portray the diversity of who we are as a people in a moment in time. Or if you're a particular marketeer and you're focusing for a brand on a particular audience, how authentically are you getting that representation right? How are you creating that sense of belonging, which I think is crucially important when it comes to really building that emotive style of storytelling and how are you empowering your audience to interact with your product or your service, to imagine it in their lives, but also to help create possibly the futures that they see for themselves with using that product or service. It can sound a little bit grandiose, but I think that's what really comes down to the magic of really trying to understand your audience and drive that more meaningful connection by really using the power of visual storytelling to pull people in to your content offering, to your brand messaging, um, that they really connect with that and drives them to the action that you want them to take. I love that. I love that you led with belonging as well, because I think it's such a powerful reminder and word as well of actually one of the reasons why we want to connect and one of the reasons why we want to share or commit also to connect with brands, especially if not individuals, is because we're trying to understand who we are and how can we be part of a bigger picture. And something that is really interesting based on the conversation we had pre-podcast, because there is a lot of research, there's a lot of trends. So we had to pick up the best ones for our dear listeners. And one of the things that I loved about some of the topics we talked about, which we're sure we're going to cover a few today, was that regardless of whether it was mental health or sustainability, inclusivity, it was interesting to see how actually like the generational differences and overlaps would affect the way that we interact with content or what we're looking for when it comes to what we are presented. And I think sometimes we forget that trying to understand the different generations and from a social cultural even perspective what are the priorities what connects with them it's so important again it goes back to your audience knowing who they are and that as well but I love that you were able to find in some of the trends some common patterns you know for the different audiences and obviously there are so there are different audiences too in general but I find that the one that everybody's always so interested in is Gen Z and actually, I'm going to go a bit of peace and ask you, why do you think there's so much interest when it comes to understanding the generation in a way that it almost feels like a bit unreachable for some of the older generations out there? Because I think that that's an interesting conversation that I had with a lot of millennials, or a lot of people that are trying to 
better connect with Gen Z as obviously the next generation with a lot of decision power, buying power. But I find that some of us are still feeling a bit unsure how to approach that or how to learn what they're passionate about. Can you give us, shed them some light or give us some guidance? Of course. So I think what I'll do first is just take a little step back and talk a little bit about how we do the work that we do to really understand uh, different generations and what best connects with them visually. I'm very um, excited here at Getty Images. I've been 11 years here with the company as of last week. And in the last two and a half years, we very powerfully launched a creative insights platform that your um, audience honestly can visit and interact with the data. But this essentially is Getty Images Visual GPS ongoing platform where we have a lot of proprietary research data. We take a three-pronged approach to really answer these questions around generations. So we start off with looking at our um, annual customer searches, which are increasing all the time, but we're talking about 2.6 billion searches. It's a huge amount of data, but it gives us an idea and an understanding of what is happening around visual appetite. You know, what are some of your competitors? What are creatives? What are art buyers? What are marketeers? What are they searching for when they type in Gen Z, for instance? And then we have a look at understanding how that's changed over time. We also bring together custom market research. So talking to the different generations. And um, we ongoingly survey a minimum of 7,000 people in 25 plus countries around the world. And really to help understand on an ongoing basis how brands can best understand consumer sentiment. And we combine that with the creative expertise, as you said, Fab, in your introduction uh, for my role, but honestly with the creative expertise of visual analysis right across um, the business here at Getty Images. So we're bringing together about 27 years of experience to bear at this interesting intersection between creativity, between data, and then between re insights, how you bring meaning to that data that really fits with the customers. So to that end, um, we have launched our Getty Images Visual GPS Insights tool. So it's an interactive tool that you can find at the front of the website. This is where you can really begin to understand in that 2.6 billion searches, uh, you really can begin to understand, well, well, what are people searching for? You can compare two different searches. So you might want to look at Gen Z and you might want to compare the search trends against mental health, for instance. And in that, you've got easily digestible graphics. And we all love a good graphic that shows heat maps and where the interest is coming from, whether it's uh, in a particular time frame across a one day, three month, one year period, what different regions in the world may be indexing a little bit more in searches around this visual content, or indeed what industries are, are really uh, looking at. And it also allows you to understand, well, what are the most popular images, videos and illustrations that our customer base here at Getty Images are, is engaging with on those searches. So to that end, we can go into it in a lot more detail here uh, on the Creative Insights team at Getty Images, where we really begin to dive deep into understanding what do consumers care about across different age groups, across different regions, um, what is really impacting their behavior, but more specifically, as you might expect from us at Getty Images, we're incredibly interested to understand um, what is inspiring people visually. Um, what are the type of visuals what, that will best pull them into a particular topic, whether it's around sustainability, as you mentioned, Fab, or whether it's around mental health. 
So to that end, I might take one of those um, areas as, as, as a topic to break down. So let's maybe start with sustainability. And the reason why I might start with that is because we often see with the customers when they talk to us here at Getty Images one-on-one, um, they often wonder around sustainability, is it indexing much higher for Generation Z? And we can think about, you know, the Greta Thunberg effect in, in some cases in the media before the COVID pandemic and, and throughout the COVID pandemic. Now, we have found that it is a very high intersectional desire. You know, the need to uh, really understand that brands are caring about sustainability, that they're caring about their impact on the planet actually is very high for every age group across all the regions that we looked at. The differences, however, that we see comes down to two main things. Um, we found that the younger generations honestly told us that they're facing a consumption conundrum. So while they know they should care more about the environment through their purchasing paths and the decisions that they make, when it comes to the moment of that choice, convenience takes priority. And we find that that index is really highly for both millennials and Gen Z. It actually drops significantly with age for, for the baby boomers. Now, if we combine the fact that right now we're moving into, or we're firmly beginning to take speed into a, a cost of living crisis, particularly here in the UK and Ireland, we're seeing that um, over 82% of Gen Z's and millennials are very worried about whether they can keep up with their means and live within their means during this phase. You can see that the challenge around sustainability is going to be incredibly high. So the takeaway for me from brands is that you have a very willing audience um, across all generations when it comes to sustainability. However, the types of visuals that most um, pull in uh, the Gen Z audience is very different from millennials, is very different from Gen X, and is very different from baby boomers. So we found in the visual testing that Gen X, or sorry, Gen Generation Z most responded to visual stories that really showed them bringing people together in terms of collective action. And there were visuals that had quite a global feel um, that really showed the emotional gratifications in themselves to really see their power as big catalysts for change. And um, they told us that they placed most faith in technology's ability to encourage sustainable adoption um, of practices, and they'd least faith in the media. Now, if we compare that type of visual storytelling that's very community-oriented, uh, but that's a quite that kind of um, activist level, to the millennials, um, we found that for the millennial audience, they responded most to visuals of sustainable consumption. So whether it showed millennials as being very valued eco-conscious consumers or whether they were seen to run, you know, green small businesses or be a very vital part of a supply chain, for example, a, you know, a, 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 an origin producer of food that's quite green. And those type of visuals pulled them into the visual storytelling because they reflected their values. Compared that again to Gen X, it was a completely different story again. We found for that older generation, they were the most skeptical in our surveys of any industry's ability to do good for the environment. But interestingly, in the visual testing, they responded most to visuals of sustainable investment. So to break that down quite simply, the visuals they responded to most was where they could see themselves either um, teaching a child how to uh, garden better, um, or they're leading a team of renewable energy workers, or they're being seen to invest in a, 
you know, a business in a supply chain, if we think about the circular economy, that might be, you know, um, reclaiming timber, for example. And then for our baby boomers, completely different again. And they responded most to visuals uh, that were very focused on the individual action that they personally take. So whether it's uh, recycling, composting, eco-proofing their home, or indeed whether they're seen to really be involved in local community groups to clean up beaches. And again, they told us that that's where they place their most trust around really ensuring that we're doing good for the environment, is that very hands-on actions that they take in their everyday lives. So to me as a researcher here at Getty Images for quite a long time, that was probably one of the most um, very clear-cut results that we've ever seen in visual testing that really showed how people have grown up with messaging around sustainability over time. Um, the um, ways in which I think they interact with technology had somewhat of a bearing on this that really in, had an impact on the types of visuals that would inspire them to action. And I think when it comes to any sustainable messaging that a brand does, that's ultimately what you want to do. You want to inspire your audience to action around sustainability. I love that. And I love that you give us a great understanding also, I think, of some of the priorities. And I feel, to me, storytelling is a big part of what what we do anyway. And the way that as marketers, we actually want to create connection and visual storytelling is my favorite way to do that too. And I find that that's really where we can reconnect with things. But I love also the idea of what we're really looking for when it comes subconsciously as well, when it comes to the images or the visuals that we're drawn to and how we can connect with them, but also the fact that values still come quite high, especially I know that it's something that for millennials and even Gen Z is really important. And I also find that Gen Z has got this, and we're talking about belonging again, that community feeling. And I'm going to ask you a bit of a harder question with this as well is, how do you feel Gen Z as one of obviously the younger generations that we've been talking about is shaping up the future of how we perceive or actually visualize a more sustainable world? It's a bit of a big question, but <laughs> I'm interested. So if we were to say, okay, this is actually how they are shaping the new trend as well as what they love to see and what they do, what would you say would be one thing that really comes to mind? I I really think it's that sense of a shared collaborative transition to meet our sustainable goals. And that might sound a little bit wordy, but when you break that down into the types of visuals they respond to, I think it's very important to them that they see that everybody across all generations, uh, across brands, across governments and across individuals are coming together. And that is the way forward to really ensure that we have that very valued impact on the planet. And there's subtleties to how that kind of comes through, through the visual storytelling. And we very much wanted to understand and check this, you know, with the the research that we were doing. Um, And we found that when we asked people uh, what was the, first of all, where they placed um, the most responsibility. To me, it was quite interesting that obviously brands and governments came up very highly. We're talking about over nine and 10 people responding and and, and agreeing with this statement. But equally surpri- like surprising to me in, in one sense was the fact that it was 85% of respondents that said that they placed responsibility on themselves individually as well. So it's very much um, seen as a shared responsibility. 
I think also with visual storytelling for that generation, because they're they're very much um, being drawn in by activist type of storytelling, it's very important to show proactive steps to really break down sustainability into actions that are accessible. And again, we often find that where brands historically hear at Getty Images and marketeers that select visual content, they've often chosen to overwhelmingly uh, rely on visual stereotypes like wind turbines, solar panels, um, maybe you know stories around uh, negative impacts on the environment. So it might be stories of pollution. You know, we all know the iconic story of the polar bear on melting ice. Or lately, we have the tortoise with the the plastic bag wrapped around their neck that's been used quite a lot by our customers. But I think what we've really begun to see is that it's people-centered storytelling that really draws in the empathetic uh, responses for Generation Z. And I think the ways in which to do that is to begin to understand um, what is accessible to them, what can they do if they feel they don't have um, the same annual consuming spending power right now as the other generations, how can we help them through the visual stories that we pick to understand these are the steps that you can take. So again, in the research fab, we do get into great detail on it. We do look at, well, what are the individual actions that, you know, different generations most feel will have an impact on the planet? So, you know, for all generations, what came out on top was recycling as a very simple action, but then followed very quickly by three actions that were all kind of equally weighted the same Things like that very much speak to the circular economy and a way of, of a sustainable lifestyle that's quite ubiquitous, which is like, you know, purchasing secondhand or reusing stuff rather than buying new, um, you know, whether it's um, using environmentally friendly products. But when it comes to understanding their expectations on brands themselves, it's, um, it's very different. They're looking at brands to really, through the decisions that they make, uh, to drive impact at scale. So the top actions that we've seen that uh, that generation really expects to see uh, from brands is understanding their ethical manufacturing processes, understanding how they're reducing their carbon footprint right now. Also, I thought what was quite interesting was really understanding how that brand or that industry is uh, collaborating with others uh, within either their industry or across the world to make much more sustained change. And then finally, an education piece that they really expect brands um, to educate them uh, on how to do better. I do love the educational piece. And I think this is such a big, a big thing that we've seen across a lot of the topics. And just because, again, there is a lot of juiciness and I want to make sure that we get it all in. I wanted to actually lead with this element of educating and almost kind of showcasing and guiding brands when it comes to the topic of mental health I think is another very important topic where a lot of audiences and customers and individuals have been really vocal and I think they also have inspired and influenced the way that also brands then have been showing up or have been adapting their messaging and refining their values so with in the spirit of education I guess I'm gonna go into that I'm gonna jump straight into it because I think it's so interesting when it comes to mental well-being but also then looking even deeper into the role also that other conversations around belonging but also identity have been shaped so I guess this is a very roundabout way to ask a very simple question which is how has mental health entered in the conversation of visual storytelling and has it second question in any way also influenced the way that we look at showcasing and discussing 
and obviously kind of presenting our identity within the diversity and inclusion space. Bit of a loaded double question. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, 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 let's start simply so and um, just start off by answering the question about uh, visuals around mental health and whether we're seeing our customers around the world really look to engage um, with this topic. So what I can say, Fab, is that it absolutely uh, began to grow as the COVID pandemic really began to be felt around the world. You know, I have personally did quite a bit of research here, um, really looking back over 20 years to understand um, how was mental health being communicated and how has that visually evolved and shifted when it came to what marketeers and brands were downloading and engaging with. Now, what we found was that even in 2020, it was quite a very small percentage. So we looked across any type of industry. We can take, for example, the pharma sector or the financial services sector. We tended to talk about, you know, less than 1% of visuals really spoke about mental health. But as the COVID pandemic really began to be felt and as we continue to live with it, and we've got the World Health Organization very early on uh, really warning of a mental health crisis, the likes of which we've never really seen before as we've gone through this shared human experience in our living memory. So to that end, uh, brands are beginning to uh, search for it, increasing numbers. Um, what tends to have been downloaded traditionally and used in advertising has really had a gender bias. And I can say that very clearly. Um, when I've looked at what's been engaged with by our customers, it has overwhelmingly tend to focus on females, females at all ages, you know, from children, right through teens, uh, right through to the end of life. Um, it's often been visual stories of isolation or shame. And what I mean by that is that usually it shows a person or a younger person, you know, sitting often not in even a room, but just sitting in a studio, um, you know, concealing a part of their face or their body and turning away. They're not with anyone. There's no proactive, you know, care happening within the stories. And what we've seen really begin to move now is that there's much more attentiveness to active listening is the easiest way that I can I can explain it. So we're beginning to see that a rise in, for example, support therapy groups or, you know, somebody talking to a loved one. And you've got that very gentle nuances in the body language and a person leaning in. Um, and the emotional expression is not one of positivity that's a you know super smiley. It's not one of negativity that's super sad, but there is that there is that um slowing down and listening to somebody. But overall, when we look at Getty Images Visual GPS research and when we really get to the heart of, of what Gen Z, you know, first of all, is there um fears and is there worries about mental health increasing? Absolutely it is. And I can I can confirm that with the latest round of data. Um, that has come in in the last uh, three to four weeks here at Getty Images, we do see that um, the younger generations, both millennials and Gen Z, very much um, are very focused on their mental health. They are worried about their financial anxiety. That's driving quite a bit of their worries about mental health. They're also telling us that they're renegotiating their relationships to technology. Um, they're very worried about the impact of social media, you know, over, I think it was just around half have now told us that um, their, you know, real relationships have been impacted by the time they've spent on social media. Um, and I think what's even more interesting is that 94% of Gen Z's and millennials um, really would like to see more support for those who are challenged with their mental health. 
So when it comes down to the visual testing and really beginning to understand what types of visuals resonate best, we did find for Gen Z in particular that positive visuals around mental health really pulled them in and engaged them. Um, where you kind of move away from some of the negative impacts or the stories of isolation and you move away from maybe some of the conceptual abstract stories where you might have a brain, you know, or a heart in, in cupped hands. But you move forward more to the more um, practical, but the special proactive care stories on a daily basis. So whether it's um, spending more time with loved ones, whether it's really understanding that within your workspace that your employer really is looking after mental health. We've seen subtleties in business imagery actually beginning to change. And as we've returned to hybrid models of working and more coming back to the office, you know, there's a lot more stories that are really focused on people, you know, maybe having lunch together in the office and there's a casualness to it. But again, it's very much about that caring moments that people are taking the time to connect. So I think anything that really focuses on how we celebrate moments of life, how we uh, provide uh, coactive care moments for our loved ones, how we look after ourselves, these are really engaging in the visual testing that we've done with Generation Z. But equally, I would also say with all of the generations that we have tested with. I love that. And again, it's no surprise that the last couple of years definitely have affected and steered this conversation. And obviously you talked about other worries as well, including social media. And I also find that there's always going to be something. And now because we're more open to actually talk about some of our worries uh, collectively, not just from our professional point of view, but also when it comes to our audience, it's so important to be able to understand as a brand. I'm going back to the values, which we mentioned a few times, really what our values are and how to connect with them. So the last question before I go into quick fire so I'm just going to give us a bit of a, of a time check, would be, again, going back to the second part of my question was also, how do you think opening up to these conversations has also supported then the awareness, but also the opening up of more honest conversations around diversity and inclusion? Because I know it's such an important part of your research and some of the trends and some of the new things that you've seen coming up within what you've worked through with the research that you've done. So I think with their thoughts, and thanks for reminding me of that. So whether it's around the topic of mental health, um, whether it's around sustainability, whatever it is, I think what it comes down to it as a brand, you really want to authentically know your audience. You want to represent them. You want to be sure that how you're representing them really does connect with them. In order to do that, I think it's very important to slow down and to begin to ask yourself, well, what's my unconscious bias when it comes to either driving visual strategy or simply picking a visual for a project that I'm putting together right now for a brand. Um, and I think it really helps to understand that when um, we really look to understand why the majority of consumers across generations are telling us that they want brands to consistently be committed to inclusion and diversity in their advertising and business communications content. For me, I think what was a, a poignant moment is that when you dig into the data on the why, they are telling us that their personal experience of discrimination in their everyday lives is driving this need to see people like them, people in their everyday worlds, be normalized in advertising. And I think sometimes we've come a long way. Um, there's definitely increasing representation. But if we think back to the legacy of advertising, and there is a rich legacy around it in terms of the visual languages that were introduced, you know, often for the sake of time and clarity, Fab, you know, there were languages of perfection. 
Um, there was a history of photoshopping. Um, there was lots of invisibility gaps where real people were not represented. Social media, the fact that we have a camera on our smartphones, the fact that millennial generation and now Gen Z, and then even when we think of Gen Alpha, I'm raising one of those myself right now, um, the fact that they've been so entrenched with this access to um, the craft of taking uh, visuals. Um, my own three-year-old just asked me to take photos of her recently and she's setting it all up. But I think the fact that there is the spark around creativity, but there is the spark around realness and understanding of how a story is crafted, it really does come down to asking yourself, okay, how do I build out an inclusive visual storytelling? It's very much needed. People want me to move beyond, you know, representation of just identity groups and actually move much more beyond tokenization to reflecting true lifestyles and true cultures within, let's say, the UK, the UK market that I'm reflecting right now. So to that end, we've put together some very practical toolkits. It often can be very difficult, you know, especially when you're time poor and you might not have all the time you want in a project that you're setting yourself up for, to think of different types of keywords, to type in, to find particular stories around inclusion. So we put together our inclusive uh, visual storytelling search guidelines. Um, and this really breaks it down into understanding an audience across seven to eight different identity factors remembering that each individual, like all of us, may identify with several different layers of identity. So whether it's thinking about um, gender, uh, sexual orientation, uh, different uh, body shapes, sizes, types and abilities, um, different socioeconomic backgrounds, and that's obviously becoming increasingly important as we really begin to feel the impact of the cost of living crisis. And so to that end, what might be helpful from all those insights, um, Fab, especially from a UK perspective, is that when it comes to the top three biases that uh, consumers are telling us they most experience in their everyday lives, it is age, uh, body shape and gender. And we find that to be the three top common ones across all the countries that we've um, done our research in. And people often forget to think about body. It's a very small one, but it's actually a really vital one whether that comes down to different body shapes, sizes, whether that comes down to hair textures, whether that comes down to different skin tones, types, uh, conditions, um, all of that is very important for people really to feel that they're represented. And then finally, I'll end on a last point that I think is, is a very usable point and a very practical point. You know, when we ask consumers um, what drives them down the purchasing path, what makes them take an action on a brand, I think it's very interesting to see quite clearly it is number one, seeing people who look like me in my everyday life. Number two, seeing the emotional rewards of a product or a service in my real life where it's not staged, not posed. And number three is, and this often indexes a little bit higher for Generation Z and the millennials, but is seeing um, images and photos um, and videos uh, that are unretouched. And that really is what helps create that greater sense of authenticity and true representation um, in the visual strategy. I love all of that. And I love the final like practical steps because I think that's also very powerful too. And I'm not surprised at all that the unretouched visuals and content is something that is very much valued by my generation and also obviously like Gen Z. And I understand why that is the case. And it's so interesting to kind of see how that can actually shape just from, from a visual standpoint, massive changes, but also from a way of strategy and just marketing that will affect everything, both 
externally in the way that you show up, but also internally in the way that you think and you act as a brand. So thank you so much. There were so many insights and there was a lot of research and a lot of great nuggets. So I always say, if you miss something, go and re-listen because there's definitely a lot of goodness in this one. But before we're done, I got quick fires. So we're back to quick questions with quick answers. Are we ready? Yes. Wonderful. I like it. You're like, I feel like you think you're in a game show. It's like, yes, I'm ready, Fab. Let's bring yes. it in. I got this. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I love the kind of laser focused. Let's see if I can actually get you to think on this one. What underrated tools are indispensable for your day-to-day work, Jackie? Oh, so quick fire. That would be an internal tool that we have here at Getty Images called Mr. T, which really stands for Metadata Revision Tool. But essentially, it's a, a peer back user interface that looks quite boring, but it's incredibly powerful because it allows us to do the visual analysis that we do on a daily basis. I love it. And I love the name. <laughs> I, love, I love it. Like, yeah, OK, the name is not as catchy. Let's call it Mr. T. I like it. So every single day we can go back to Mr. T. What is, Jackie, the last picture that you took on your phone? Now, I wonder whether it's your three-year-old <laughs> or ask you to take a picture or something else. Do you remember what was one of the last pictures you took? The very last picture was my three-year-old um, last night, who um, I'm finding it quite interesting. Um, she's now uh, art directing me. I love it. <laughs> to take picture um which was my previous career before getty um but she very much and i do think it's very exciting to see how that generation is so immersed in technology but she um she set up um, a mat on the ground and uh, it's one of those mats where they have fields on it and paths and so on and she had set up all of our dinosaurs and they were having a standoff with her safari animals but she was so thrilled that they were so graphical and they were all laid out in a circle that she wanted herself to be pictured with it. But she had one foot in the air, just laughing hysterically so that she could remember because she knows she's going to kick over all those toys and she'll never get it in that way again. I feel like you're, you're going to creative art director kind of like rubbed off a bit on her because that is impressive. Like <laughs> that is an impressive setting. I genuinely love that. Next question. What is your favorite social social media platform that's the one if any at the moment and why oh um so historically my favorite technical social media platform would be vimeo or youtube um uh, especially vimeo i have to say for quite a many years editors picks and you know there's such creativity there youtube i have to add on because increasingly my three-year-old can work our smart tv and speak through it uh to bring up Mm. youtube and just be engaged with in a completely different way that honestly uh, I, I wouldn't have even anticipated that a three-year-old would be able to gravitate and she's not drawn to cartoons at all but she's drawn to uh, the unboxing videos <laughs> basically people are selling to her and I get a shopping list when I come home every day <laughs> what toys are needed next but then I would also say TikTok is quite interesting as well um, I, you know I'm watching that quite a bit to see the visual languages there to see what's really impacting um, you know, I thought just on the topic of mental health, what was interesting was some of those videos right now that have been circulating around, you know, being mean to myself, but then realizing I'm being mean to her or him. And it's usually the nostalgic photographs of, 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 of people in their childhood. So, again, just very curious to see what, what happens there with TikTok and its impact on visual storytelling for advertising. I genuinely feel is one of those platforms that obviously has got great growth 
and loads of different user bases, loads of different audiences on it. But I genuinely think looking at it from a research standpoint has got so much interesting data, even just from my side as a marketer, because it comes from a place of there's a lot more rawness, there's a lot more simplicity sometimes, and it can really show you like what people are connecting with on a deeper level. So even from a marketer standpoint, I think, as well as using it and trying to work through it and obviously grow it, there's a lot I think that you can learn just by listening and watching. So I understand that. Do you remember the last person that you followed on TikTok by any chance? No, because uh, I have to say I'm not on TikTok, but I'm watching it, if that makes sense. So I don't have an account on it, Fab. Mm. Um, so what do you look for? No. Uh, just like as a quick one, I have to go too deep into it. But is there like when you go on it, let's say you go on the desktop and you have a little look, is there something that you gravitate towards? Just let it, the algorithm show you what's trending. So I think um, personally or professionally, it's two ways to answer that. Personally, um, I'm uh, looking, hopefully, to build a super passive house, um, if I can pull it off. So I tend to go and have a look at some of the construction TikTok videos, <laughs> to say, or the architectural videos. Um, they are a rabbit hole. I can, I, can, I can say as well, they can be a bit of a rabbit hole. I'm the same. That's right. Uh, but um, on a more daily level, um, honestly, just because you don't turn off being a visual researcher, I'm just very curious to see what's popular, you know, what's trending, what's being main, um, but really to understand how that visual language is changing, Fab. So yeah, I tend to dive in um, maybe three, four times a week, very quickly, just to see what's happening. Thank you. And final, last but not least, my question, if you could broadcast one message onto everyone's phones, what would that message be? Oh, that would have to be a visual. <laughs> it's allowed. We can you can yes. tell us what it's going to look like then. That would definitely have to be a visual. Um, there's a really uh, there's a really standout visual for me right now at the moment. Um, there's always so many, but um, I would think honestly, uh, we have a visual at the moment that uh, we've been testing that's doing quite well, but it's of um, it's of a older Gen Z, maybe younger millennial, and um, they're in their home. It's a UK shoot. Um, and it's a, an Asian girl with dyed yellow hair with some tattoos on her arm, and she's holding a hamster. And it's very cute. It's always do uh, extremely well in terms of being emotive. But for me, what's quite powerful about that image, if I talk about it to an audience of marketeers, is, is really trying to understand um, the inclusivity storytelling again. You know, the fact that often with Asian representation, we don't always see somebody with dyed hair or we don't always see some of that generation being represented um, really in how they express their identity in a very authentic way. Um, we tend to see maybe over-representation on them in their jobs and their professions, often in tech sectors, for instance. But for me, there's something very warm, very emotive, very empathetic about that image that's surprising, that's fresh and um and I'm really interested to see how we can explore and expand out visual representations. See, that will be a great experiment to actually carry out. Sadly, I don't have the power to get us to broadcast onto everybody's phone, but we can work on it. Great. Jackie, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for all of your wisdom and for all of the research that you actually translated for us from Mr. T and everybody else into <laughs> something that brands can actually use because I can appreciate that it can feel daunting to actually try and fully understand your audience and read into some of the behaviors. But once you do, there's so much power into that. So the last thing I want to ask you, if anybody 
wants to get in touch or find out more about your work, where should they go? The first place I would direct them to is creativeinsights.gettyimages.com. That's a part of the Getty Images website that my team looks after, where we have all this proprietary data coming in um, on a constant basis. So we're really bringing meaning to the data on a weekly basis. So again, there's lots um, to see here, whether it's around sustainability, technology, um, inclusive and realness and visual storytelling or wellness. Um, I would also direct them to have an... Uh, um, to really play around with the visual GPS insights tool at gettyimages.com. You'll find a link just on the top left-hand corner. And I think that will just really begin to help people understand maybe what others in their industry are, are looking at in terms of popular visuals, which will help people differentiate their own visual strategy. And I think finally, um, you know, absolutely, please have a look also um, at um, some of the ongoing collections and types of content that we're doing here at Getty Images to move authentic visual storytelling forward. So we do have our collections page on the front page of Getty Images as well. Thank you so much for listening. Head to oldmarketingschool.com to find out more about the topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spend the love on Instagram at Alt Marketing School. Until next time.